Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what is happening at the movies. And there's a movie you have to put on your must-see list right now. It is called Clemency. It stars my guest, Alfre Woodard. And, you know, this woman, she's like nominated for 2,000 Emmys and won another 1,000 or 1,200 <laughs> or whatever it is that you have. But the thing about Alfre is that when I see that she's in a movie, I go like this. Yes, it's going to be okay because somebody that great is there doing it. So congratulations for being you. Peter, yeah. thank you. Yeah, all right, we're done here. <laughs> this, no, but clemency, I think, is one of the strongest things that I've ever seen you do. It's ah. incredibly strong. So set it up a little for us about who you play, who this warden is. So I play uh, a death row warden, Bernadine Williams. And our story starts at a critical moment, a pivotal moment in her career. She's probably seen, overseen uh, 12, 13 uh, um, executions. Um, she does her job well. She prides herself in doing her job well. And we can talk about what that means mm -hmm. as a death row warden. But we have at the top of the film, and I can say this is not a spoiler, a botched execution and then going into the next ex execution. So she starts to, the confidence has been uh, joggled a bit. And we, we, there is a man, Anthony Williams, who is on death row. And it is uh, questionable whether he is actually uh, guilty or innocent. Mm -hmm. But we don't, we don't deal with that in the film. We don't decide. Every, the it doesn't matter, decides. does it, in it, the end? It, does it, it does, does not, it. especially yeah. when uh, the question is, what's the soul wound for the individuals whose tax dollars go there for the society that ritualistically punishes people who have murdered and, and done other crimes, perhaps, mm -hmm. and the difference between them and us when we then ritualistically murder that person. But the reason I went on to it, Peter, <laughs> is that for the first time, we're seeing it from the point of view of the person who the perpetrators of the, the, the penalty, the industry. Mm -hmm. We look at the people that we say, okay, this person has to die, you take care of it, yeah. we don't wanna know. And so we look at the lives of those people. You look at the lives of those people, but your warden, there's two things about her, too, is that she's trying to do a job that she was hired to do, which means a real professionalism. In other words, I don't feel one way for this person or this other person, I have this job to do. She hasn't made anyone guilty. She's not a judge. She's just making the life of that prison function. Mm -hmm. Number two, which might be number one, is she's a woman in this job where basically you can't show that compassion that you might be feeling. And that's what devastated me in watching this movie, is to see your character watching this and the impact it has on her. And it's not in the words. It's no. in your face, no. in your amazing face. And in the it. face of, of Aldous Hodge, who plays the yes. condemned man, yes. in the chaplain, Michael mm -hmm. O'Neill, Jonathan, my husband, everybody, Richard Schiff. Um, I want to talk about the, the compassion. Most of the women, and, and I met women wardens in Ohio. Oh, you did? Uh, three women wardens, one deputy warden, the director of corrections, who is a man, and the man who has taken more people through the process probably than anybody in the world. The thing is, most of the, 
the people I met, they came to uh, those positions from mental health uh, and from social work. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a job, it's a calling in a way. And when you are caging and incarcerating human beings, you want a person there that knows the psychology of human beings and how to work with them, how to keep that balance, yeah. how to you know, stay the course and not you know, keep the protocol. Because if you drop one stitch, that whole thing can unravel. And as she says to Marty, the defense attorney, Richard Schiff, who's, you know, I, I personally would align with, and he's saying, why can't you just let him, let the lawyers come talk to him? They just, and she goes, no, it's, they're, not, they're not on the books. Or why can't he go to his mother's funeral? So she keeps the protocol because she says, I've got a thousand people here whose safety is in my hands. And so it is, it, the compassion is, you know how things could go. So until the state changes the law, mm -hmm. you want a person there that will, in their eyes, and the, the contract they make with the condemned person is, I will take you through this with as much dignity as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, as you're saying that, I think we should show this clip from the movie because it is the scene with you and Richard Schiff and I think really strong about what you're saying and what this woman has to put up with from other people while she's running a whole prison with a thousand inmates in it. Mm -hmm. So let's just show this one. I just wanted to know that there are people out there that support him. He didn't get his appeal, did he? It's just a conversation. Marty, no, I can't. You know, for the past seven years, you've blocked every single attempt I've made to try to get him to be treated like a human being. You're gonna kill him, is not enough? I have treated him like a human being, every step of the way. Is that my job to bypass the rules to accommodate your special request? Special request. How is it a special request? Open the gates, please. I'd like to leave now. That's I have to maintain request. order and safety in this prison. I got over a thousand bodies that I have to ensure are safe and accounted for. It's hard enough without you complicating things. What you have to do is protect yourself now that this place is under fire since you botched the last execution. Get out of my Put office. Put up the barricades, keep the outside world out so you can kill him as under the radar as possible. Get out. And remove any dignity the man has left to boot. Go. Yeah, I'm going, but I'm not going far. Just so you know, I am going to fight for him right up until the very moment you stick that needle in his arm. All right, so you see that. Yeah. And you're seeing what she's up against. And you're seeing how she can't react. You know, we're letting it all go, even though it's inside there. Mm -hmm. She can't do it. How it, what did this role take out of you? I mean, it has to take something to be playing this. Well, it didn't take anything out of me. I'll tell you, we went to, on this prison tour in Ohio, medium security women's and men's and maximum mm -hmm. security men's and, and the row. And we met not only with those, the, the prison personnel, the row personnel, but I had the privilege to, to have conversation with two condemned men. Being there with them, watching them work, watching their interaction, I didn't say, oh, how does it feel to do that? That's no, not the way you, you say do that. Yeah. You don't, you just, you come there and you keep your eyes open. He said, we're here. They let us come because they, nobody has asked them about their story. And 
they trusted us. And so lives are in the balance. All, all you're doing as the actor is absorbing, is listening, is being empathetic. And then when you get back, that's the easiest part because I'm doing the thing that I, that I am trained to do, that my body knows how to do, that all of my muscles, my emotional, mm -hmm. spiritual, and physical muscles know how to do. So you've got a place to put that energy. What was tough was being a witness, was, was holding hands with those people and being a witness. And it took me, you know, it was another month before we started shooting, but it took me a month to stop spontaneously weeping. And, I, you know, I live a joyful life. And I kept thinking, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Just at the farmer's market, starting to, you know, Just weeping. come out of nowhere, yeah. And I realized that I was, I was actually crying other people's tears and feeling their confinement and their pain because the incarcerated can't cry and the incarcerators can't cry. So everybody is just this pressurized, contained, sort of civil way of behaving when we, especially people that are artistic and creative, we stay healthy by weeping, by running, by jumping in the water with our clothes on and swearing and spitting. But sure, you I'm sure you're gonna, you did all that just before you came in. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you can't do that there. And so that takes a lot of discipline and control as to how do you breathe through that if you are the warden or the major or the executioner, the one that pushes the button, how do you breathe through that when you're making that walk down there trying to keep your legs steady going mm -hmm. to the chamber? They do it and their lives depend upon it. All I had to do as an actor was use that breath and the, and the control in a way to tell their story, to let their voices come through. And your movie does begin where we watch this botched execution, which is so painful to watch. To look at that and to say, this is what we should be doing to people, you know, it just seems just cruel and unusual. You know, I, I was reading, there's a, a condemned man in, in Tennessee just last week who requested to be put to death by the electric chair. And we, we came away from that because everybody said, oh, it's so barbaric because, you know, you're basically frying somebody. Yeah. But they're actually looking at that saying that's more humane because you can't depend on the drugs now because that was supposed to be pain free and this is our humane way mm -hmm. of putting somebody down. But they're but those inmates were seeing people or hearing about them convulsing and suffering so that, that it was not pain free. So, you know, it's should we be having a conversation about what's the best way to no. to take it? No. 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 No, I think but, not. And luckily, the American public, for the first time, is the majority do not want it for all, they all have different reasons, but there's a majority, the consensus, but the states that still carry out the penalty, they are, you know, they are at work doing it. So we just have to keep talking about it, but talking quickly, because even in the time that we made this film, so many people have been put to death. Mm -hmm. But before... You know, we just felt before you can say I am anti-death penalty or I am pro-death penalty, we wanted to just present a truth and let people just have that truth. And that is, this is what it does to the people who we've charged with carrying out the sentence. Mm -hmm. This is, their PTSD rate is commiserate with 
the people that we send into, we deploy multiple times into battle. The, if they're married, they're on their second or third marriage, if anybody's there. And when they even come home to healthy relationships, it's that struggle because mm -hmm. she has to say to Jonathan, you just don't understand. I, I can't tell you, frankly, because I can't put it together. I don't even know what it's doing, but I'm in pain. The thing is, I was joking about your 2000 Emmy nominations, <laughs> but really, I think you have like 18 and you've won four of those, <laughs> those things. What does that do to you when you just have that reputation for just being so great all the time? Do you look in the mirror in the morning and say, Alfred, you're pretty hot stuff. Oh my Lord. Lord. No, <laughs> no, no. no. You're married and you have two children, so yes. that you should end all that, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> it really yeah. usually does. No, they're very supportive. You know what it is? It's like I'm a sister elder in, in, in the village of actors. It just means that I have worked with so many people, and we all speak a certain language. We work mm -hmm. a certain way. You know, I'm not putting the bosses down and all that, but it's like, you know what, we're the low people on the totem pole. <laughs> and we're the ones that are naked when it's time to get out there and tell the story, mm. be emotional. We make very quick, intimate relationships because, frankly, it's us by the seat of our pants. And so that's why you see actors hugging on each other. And all, it, but it is genuine because, again, I'm back to deployment. We got nobody but, each, but, but your sister and your brother in, in, in the trenches with you. And so being recognized just means that the people that do what I do get me. And, when, and then we look at each other and say, oh, okay, I just saw that. Now I, I can feel this. Mm -hmm. we, we feed off each other. It's like a great relay team. And Nothing so, wrong with that. Yeah. That's like a great thing because it's a family, even though it that is. family unit may not just last as long. Well, it lasts because we never throw each other away. Never. The I'm only people, there. you know, they say like, well, what people that are well-known hang out together? Well, for actors, those are our office mates. Every time we move, we, we, that's, that's our family. We, we and gather family. And then you run family. back together again. Because we I'm looking family. at you. I can go back to St. Elsewhere with yeah. you and Denzel, you know? Yeah. I see. I I'm godchildren to Denzel and Paulette's twins. See? Yeah. Six degrees. It's just, you know? it's one and degree. And Kevin. I've worked with Kevin. <laughs> I've worked with Kira before. Met Kevin years ago. Mm -hmm. But then I got to work with Kevin in Beauty Shop. And then Aldous, who's here. I won't get on Kevin Baker. Aldous has done <laughs> sitting on a hill with Kevin. But, yeah. No, it's great. And look, I mean, just now, in terms of this year with Clemency, you also are doing this uh, show with Jason Momoa called yeah, C, yeah. which is another, you know, you look at it as this entertainment, but it's also about a world where everyone's blind. Yes. And what happens when you don't see? Yes. Then your husband wrote you. Juanita. That other, that, what was that called? Juanita. Juanita. Oh, right, I love her. Where she just gets on the bus and says... No, I need a little time for me to do that. A coming of age of a woman of a certain age story. And it yeah. is sexy, How'd you get your hilarious. husband to do that? Because, okay, I, I had this book that Sheila Williams gave me. She's mm -hmm. a prolific, profound writer. And it was called Dancing on the Edge of the Roof. And I said to my husband, who is a really wonderful writer, he's so wonderful, I sleep with him. And so, and <laughs> half for 38 years. Yeah, so you really are a woman of your word. Yeah. 
So, so I said to him, I, I said, you know, and I, I'm not a writer. I, I, could, I, I can do my dialogue and like that, but I get way too in the details to actually be the writer. And I said to him, our anniversary is in October, my birthday is in November, and there's Christmas. So I said to him, I said, okay, I don't want an anniversary present, I don't want a birthday present or a Christmas present. Just write me this script and we're done for the whole year. And Good so that's deal. how I got it. Where does this all start with you? Where did you come? You're from Oklahoma? Tulsa. Tulsa. Yes. yes. So how, how does it happen that in Tulsa you say, you know what, <laughs> mom and dad, I want to be an actor? Well, I remember my father giving me what we, we all refer to as the beans speech. I hated beans growing up. Mm -hmm. And he said to <laughs> like me, them now, I'm my guessing. father was, a, he, he was a, an interior decorator and an oil man and a mm -hmm. businessman. And he said to me, he said, uh, you know, babe, everything I've ever heard about that business, people never make a living at that. And I said, I know. And, you know, like trying and letting him know that not only was I wanting to be an actor, but all his tuition was going towards me getting a degree in it. And he said, a degree? They give degrees for that kind of thing? <laughs> and so I said, yeah. He goes, well, you know you're not going to be able to keep yourself the way I've been keeping you. <laughs> and I said, I know. And the tears are going. He goes, you're probably going to eat beans for the rest of your life. <laughs> the worst. And I said, this is so corny. You couldn't put it in an after-school movie. I said, Daddy, I'm ready to eat beans forever. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, you can do any damn thing you put your mind to. Daddy's got your back. That was my father. Oh, that's that was so, my father. So after all that and all the beans and all the beans that you've eaten on your way I to love this beans. beans. Now you love them. I can do yeah. The I, metaphorical beans of yeah. of coming up and doing that. Well because, it's when you're ready to say, whether it's I wanna be a potter, I wanna develop gourmet popcorn, I wanna, you know, be a, a sailor. When you know when a person says, I'll give up everything to do that. I will give up my position. I, I won't care what anybody thinks about me if I say what I really want to do is, is uh, just raise corn. And so when you are willing to work for no money at something, then you've yeah. got freedom for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's it. Well, we have a couple of questions now from the world outside. Oh, my. Yes, oh, my goodness. Renee G says, one of my favorite movies is Miss Firecracker. Thank you for all your great work. Do you enjoy the comedy roles as much as you enjoy the more dramatic ones? I so enjoy the comedy. Popeye Jackson is one of my favorite favorite characters. Uh, people said, oh, you did Winnie Mandela, you did Miss Evers, all these things. You know, who would you like to have dinner with? And uh, I would like to have dinner with Popeye Jackson, <laughs> with Wanda from Holiday Heart, yeah. uh, uh, girlfriend Mariah Stokes from Luke Cage mm -hmm. and Juanita. Those are the, those are the people Cage, that, that resonate oh. with me. But I love Popeye, oh my God. Let's take one more question from here. Kyle K, what about acting drives you? You Are know you what? Driven? Do you feel driven? No, I'm not driven. Yeah, okay. No, because where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, but, I, but I understand how people use driven. What is it that sustains me? What is it that keeps me getting up and going to do it? Is that I was an activist before I was an, discovered I was an artist. And when we say activist, I don't mean like, you know, it's not a brand thing, it's none of that. 
both my parents were rural people. My mother's people were sharecroppers. My father's people were landowners. When you come from rural people or you're not that far off of the land, you understand that the land is a great equalizer. And the reason that we are on the earth has nothing to do about accumulating. Mm -hmm. It has to do with building community. You start building it in your house. It goes out into the neighborhood. So, so my business was the people business long before I dis discovered that there was a profession that is the people business. In other words, telling the people's story. Mm -hmm. And I have a quote, and I say this all the time because I put it in my trailer. It's on the front and the back of every script I have. It's a quote from Lorca. I did my first Lorca play uh, when it was like my first or second play in high school, Bernardo Alba. But Lorca was was uh, just persecuted by by the, the Spanish government, the fascists, as, as a homosexual man. Back then we said homosexual. And he, he and they cost him his life. He said, the poem, the song, the picture is but water drawn from the well of the people. We give it back to them in a cup of beauty that in drinking they may come to know themselves. That's my job. And I can't do Beautiful that without caring about the people, the families, the individuals on the receiving end. These guys that are they're typing in. Mm -hmm. I, I, how can I not care about the people that are the relationship I have. The mm -hmm. storyteller needs ears, and, the, and we tell stories for the health and giving of it the back. tribe. And giving it back, yeah. that's a perfect way to say it. Well, this is the first time you've been on this show, so I need you here every week, <laughs> every second Tuesday at least. All right, gotcha. And, uh, but we end in song all the time. Yeah? Just a little bit of some song that means something to you. What's coming to you? Okay, I, only because the things that are happening on the hill right now. Okay. It just I, makes me think about, <clears throat> and I'm not a singer, but I can't wait to I was hear a Girl this. Scout. I was a Girl yeah. Scout, so I, you know, <laughs> yeah. sang for 10 years. Okay. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Stand up. Uh, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing ooh. rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song ooh. full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Almost That's facing it. the rising <laughs> sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. That's the Black National Anthem, darling. <laughs> <laughs> James Wilson Johnson. I wanna hunt. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> of course, she can't sing. She does this whole thing. Oh, I do it. Oh, you song. do it great. But I love it. I got my sisters in here singing yeah, with me. That was great. Singing. This is the best.